the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead. I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees of law. One is a master of the law of taxation law, and the other is a master of the laws of intellectual property law. Both of my master's degrees were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University's School of Law, that's located in the beautiful downtown San Francisco. And because of my training, my experience, my interests, and my background, I primarily practice bankruptcy debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and taxation law. And I'm also proud to say that as part of my practice, I'm sometimes able to seek out and vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the victims of the various forms of financial elder abuse. So um, as always, I'm pleased to once again be able to come to you from the beautiful KFAX studios in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting families and small business owners. Because, as you know, we are the backbone of this great country and we contribute the most to this great country's economy. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances. And hopefully, I can also provide you with an outline of some of the issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help. I do this because, as I'm fond of saying, representing yourself in any legal matter, uh, but especially one that deals with your finances and the financial health of your family or your small business, is just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. And, you know, if you take a butter knife to a gunfight and everybody else has guns, you, if you're lucky and you get close enough to your adversary, you might be able to scratch her on the arm or even poke her in the eye. But most likely, you're going to be dead on arrival. That is to say, your valid claims in the lawsuit or your valid defenses in the lawsuit will likely see the promised land way before you do. So once again, I must share to you 
with you that the purpose of Selwyn's Law on KFAX, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money, but unfortunately more than often the lack thereof, and your finances and what you may need to consider to protect your family's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being, as I understand these concepts, in a non-threatening educational form. With that said, we're going to continue our discussion of entrepreneurship by what I consider to be the flip side of a successful business coin and actually look at some of the key issues that small business bankruptcies have to take. These issues are taken from a book that I'm in the process of writing about small business bankruptcies and my experience in that area. While my book is geared towards young lawyers, that is to say, not chronologically young, but new to the bankruptcy field, I believe in educating my clients about the issues. That way, when something comes up, there's a speed bump in the middle of the road, neither one of us are surprised that we might have to shift into a lower gear or maybe get off that particular road and do something else. And so, although, again, my writing is for lawyers, I think it's good for you out there in the listening audience who have a business that might fall into financial distress one day or have a family, which is also a business, if you look at it, that might need some financial reorganization or help with an issue. It's good for you to have a general outline of what it is that your counsel has to go through to get your bankruptcy through the long and arduous process of the court-supervised bankruptcy proceeding that you might have to go through. So, um, we've been talking about the difference between a Chapter 13 bankruptcy and an individual or small business bankruptcy under Chapter 11. And uh, we've gone over this the last uh, few weeks. Basically, there's a different process for initiating the case in that in a Chapter 13, you have to be a live, breathing, bleeding human being and you initiate the case, you have to have regular income. So that means income from employment or income derived from small business operation, um, be it a mom-and-pop grocery store, or sometimes you own uh, rental property and you derive uh, your income from the rents. Uh, there are debt limits in a Chapter 13, and currently those debt limits for secured debt, that is to say debt that's secured by uh a lien or a deed of trust or some writing that's secured is no more than about $1.2 million. And that might sound like a lot, and it might be a lot in the Midwest, but out here in California, as you know, homes cost approaching a million dollars. So there's not a whole lot of headroom for meeting the debt limits. If you own a home and you owe substantially on it, you might not be eligible for a Chapter 13. You might be eligible for a Chapter 11. But again, as I said before, unless somebody um, raises a flag, um, you might be able to push your small business um, bankruptcy through the less expensive Chapter 13. There's also unsecured debt limits, which is right under $400,000 right now. And these limits change every uh, three years or so. In a Chapter 11, you may be an individual, but you also could be a corporation or you could be a pass-through entity such as an LLC. 
There's no income requirement per se because you might want to be using the Chapter 11 to liquidate your going concern uh, business as a whole concern and get more, derive more income from from the sale of that uh, business. Unlike a Chapter 13, your creditors can force you in to uh, a Chapter 11 bankruptcy, but they do so at their own jeopardy because although they might be able to prove to the court that you deserve to be in uh, bankruptcy, if you don't deserve to be in bankruptcy, they will be on the hook for damages to you. But, you know, they got lawyers, so you let their lawyers worry about it. You worry about uh, your situation. There's also administrative requirements. Chapter um, 13, you continue to operate your business as before. You continue to use your existing bank accounts. You continue to use your same taxing entity. Um, you know, the, the only difference is that your plan payments go through a uh, court-appointed or standing Chapter 13 trustee who pays your claims, and uh, she also gets a commission. And filing fees in a 13 right now are uh, $310. In a Chapter 11, uh, with limited exceptions, you have to close all of your pre-existing bank accounts and open new bank accounts uh, under a debtor-in-possession account. That's so the Department of Justice will be able to uh, supervise what it is that you're doing with your finances. Also, you have to do periodic reports uh, in a uh, Chapter 11, and um, you also might consider uh, doing a short-year election after you consult with your CPA. Currently, the filing fees for a Chapter 11 small business bankruptcy, or, or large one for that matter, is $1,717. And again, these fees for both kinds of bankruptcy, they change periodically, mostly go up, don't go down. Um, also, the tr- as I stated, the trustees' uh, fees in a Chapter 13, uh, she is entitled to a ten- up to a 10% commission. In a Chapter 11, you pay fees to the Office of the United States Trustee, which is an entity of the Department of Justice. And it's based on your uh, monthly operating reports, what kind of income you generate, and you must pay that uh, to the uh, chapter, uh, the Office of the U.S. Trustee. Even if your case doesn't go through, you have to, that is to say your plan is not confirmed. Now, in a Chapter 13, if your plan is not confirmed, you get the money back. Um, Hiring an attorney and paying your attorney's fees are also different in the two kinds of bankruptcy. In a 13, you hire your own attorney that represents your interests, and the fees are monitored and basically capped such that uh, a a debtor will not be uh, put in jeopardy uh, by his or her own attorney. In a Chapter 11, um, counsel, accountants, and all the other professionals must be approved by the court with a weigh-in by the Office of the U.S. Trustee to make sure that counsel and other uh, officers and and people acting on behalf of the uh, state as fiduciaries are disinterested. That is to say they're not going to uh, harm you by being part of the bankruptcy. U.S. Trustee oversight is in both, but in a 13, it's through the standing Chapter 13 trustee, and a Chapter 11, it's through the Office of the U.S. Trustee directly. Yeah, we talked about how you have to schedule your claims. In a 13, they're placeholders, but they get paid based on how much they file. Everyone has to file a claim in a 13. That's not necessarily the case. In a Chapter 11, 
Um, creditors don't have to necessarily file claims, but the debtor has to file a claim that's not um, contingent or non-liquidated, and that'll be what's paid through the plan. So that brings, brings us up to date. When we come back, I'll continue our discussion on some of the key issues and legal things that you need to think about when you want to try to save your small business and look at the difference between 13s and 11th. But first, we're going to take a break. And when we come back on the other side, I'll look at some fact patterns that might help you. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion on some of the key issues you need to consider when trying to save your distressed small business. And we're looking at and comparing and contrasting the difference between a Chapter 13 bankruptcy versus a Chapter 11. Okay? So... There's some pre-filing considerations and analysis that I use to help my clients decide which type of bankruptcy they need to file or if we need to file bankruptcy at all. And so I'm going to share with you some of this information to just, you know, put a um, 30,000 feet look at what it is that uh, people have to consider uh, once you come to the conclusion that you need help uh, because your your business is not generating enough income. And that's a key signal that there's a problem. You're not able to pay your bills as they come due. It might be because um, you worked for a while on a particular client's matter, uh, and then uh, the client is having financial difficulty and will not pay you, and as such, you're not able to meet your financial obligations. But generally, it's a liquidity problem, um, meaning that you have not set aside enough reserves to handle the rough spot. Some businesses are actually lucky in that they're seasonal and they know it, you know, such as farmers, for example, although it's not a really good example now because our farming community is going through uh, a lot of distress that's not caused by their own acts, but because of the weather and some of the acts of entities outside their control. But let's say under a normal circumstance, there's a growing season and um, then there's a time when, you know, you harvest your crops and you get the money to pay back the bank and pay all your your partners. Well, if that doesn't happen because of flooding or um, your major marketplace shuts down, um, you don't have the, uh, the cash flow. Some people in businesses that are seasonal, they usually have a reserve line of credit. But when um, your bank sees that there's problems across the community, they might draw down, uh, not let you draw down anymore from your um, reserve line of credit. And so that puts you in a liquidity problem, which is, like I said, the telltale sign that your business is in financial distress. Um, and it also is a situation with income-producing property. And I'll use that as an example because I've had several clients that were small business um, uh, um, rental uh, entities. That is to say they might have had a couple of duplexes and they rented the, those um, units out 
uh, uh, commercially and or for residential purposes and say it was mostly residential and then uh, there might have been a uh, economic decline in their community or a major manufacturer, a major job uh, creating entity went out of business. And so now you're stuck with a bunch of tenants who can't pay their rent. And that means you can't pay your mortgage and you can't feed your kids. And, you know, say it's a duplex or a four unit and you're living in one of them, you can't pay the mortgage and you can't keep a roof over your head. So you might want to look at and you're a sole proprietorship, that is to say you're not a corporation, uh, Chapter 13 reorganization will likely be a way for you to consider to figure out a way to reorganize. So reorganizing, uh, if you want to become a viable concern, you know, you might be able to um, urge your current tenants to pay, and there's various legal procedures that you can do to, to take that, or you can assist them in leaving the property and bringing in some new tenants who can pay. And the reason why bankruptcy might be a good idea is like if your bank is about to foreclose, the mortgage is about to foreclose, and um, you can stop actions against you by filing a Chapter 13. Now, it's not that you get out of jail free or anything. It's just you get enough time. You get some time to figure out what it is that you're going to do without having the bank foreclose on the real property and put not only your tenants who aren't paying rent out, but also put you and your family. I've had this situation where some of my clients, they have adult children living with them who are not producing or helping to produce income. So one of the things you might want to tell the court is in addition to um, you replacing your tenants, um, you your kids are going to make a contribution uh, to cover the overhead and uh, maybe your stay-at-home spouse is going to take a part-time job, or maybe you're going to convert one of the units into um, a higher-income producing um, uh, uh, entity, um, child care unit. Um, uh, you know, maybe you can um, look at other income, commercial income uh, producing entities. But basically, you, you have a chance to put together a plan, you and your counsel, Uh, to figure out what makes sense. And then it's you as a sole proprietor and your counsel presenting a plan to uh, the bankruptcy court of how you're going to reorganize. So you're going to pay the the amount of arrearages to your mortgage holder uh, as part of your plan, and then you're going to recommence making your mortgage payments directly to your mortgage holder, and you're going to put maybe a, a small business into one of your uh, units and you're going to put two more uh, tenants in who will pay the rent. So that's an example of how a Chapter 13 reorganization might look. So how might a Chapter 11 reorganization fact pattern be somewhat different? Again, you're either over the debt limits uh, and or you're a you could be a pass-through professional practice, a CPA or a doctor or a lawyer who, again, you might have had clients who weren't able to pay you, or you might have had an illness yourself, and you were, uh, you have a, uh, a dental practice, and you know it's you and a young dent- dentist, and you become ill, and you're out of work for uh, several months while you re recuperating. And so it's not that you don't want to pay, but 
all those months you had bills coming in, you weren't able to pay them, including the salaries. Uh, so you would file a Chapter 11 bankruptcy with your counsel and uh, you know, explain to the court that you had a heart attack uh, now you're on the mend and you're going to bring in business and you need to have this uh, stay, basically, of all these actions against you while you reorganize and catch up on your mortgage payment, catch up on your uh, employees who want to stick with you because they they respect and actually love you and they don't want to leave you in the lurch, but they got to get paid too. So it's a way for a professional entity to reorganize. So that's when you want to reorganize and have your business come back. You want to right the ship. There are other instances where you come to realize that your business is not working. And an example I've used before, uh, and I'll focus in on it now, is um, you have a small retail shop and your major competitor, um, you might have been in business for 20 years, but now as we all know, um, big entities um, with um, online presence they are really going after and being hard uh, um, uh, entities to compete against small businesses, and you might not be able to generate the income that you did once a while ago. So you want to use a Chapter 7 to liquidate that business in an upright uh, position. So you are no longer in control, you turn over the control of the business to a Chapter 7 trustee that's going to be appointed by uh, the court to liquidate your assets, not necessarily on an ongoing basis. It's basically um, the Chapter 7 trustee will liquidate the assets via auction mechanisms where I I get notice from uh, entities that are auctioning off uh, assets in bankruptcy and, and, and the starting point of the auction is $5, you know, or $50 for something just to get the auction going. So it's a way uh, for uh, the trustee to generate some income for your creditors, uh, but it's also a way for you to get out of the business and not be liable for that debt anymore by getting a discharge. So that's a a liquidation where um, you want, there's not a going concern. However, you might want to liquidate in a Chapter 11 as a going concern business, and that might be you have um, a commercial building that you want to sell as a going concern because it might you might have tenants in there, and you'll get more money for a going concern uh, because uh, there is income being generated there for the potential buyer, and um, that's the difference between a, a liquidation and a seven a piecemeal liquidation and a going concern liquidation in a Chapter 11. So these are the things to consider, uh, just to put, put frame things up in your mind. So I want to close out today by talking about what is it about representing creditors? How do you represent creditors in bankruptcy? Well, while most of my clients are debtors in bankruptcy, I do, and I will continue to represent creditors or claimants in bankruptcy court. So how is the, what is the difference between representing debtors and creditors? Well, it's similar to how Ginger Rogers described what it's like to be a female professional dancer. And she was a longtime dancing partner of the late, great Fred Astaire. 
And I recall that when someone put her down about her role in making the dance production viable and access, success as compared to the Mr. Astaire, she said that, yeah, he's a great choreographer and so am I. But Ms. Rogers said, in effect, I have to do everything my partner does, but backwards and in high heels. And that's kind of the way it is when you're at creditor's counsel. So when we come back next time, I'm going to go into creditor counsel representation in a little bit more detail. But for right now, we're going to leave it there. And always in closing, I say here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law. So till next time, take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.